Hey guys, just wanted to share a message from our sponsor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or computer. The creation tool allows you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. The Meisner technique is the most widely taught acting technique in the country or the world, but what is it? Let's talk about it today. Acting Class Weekly with legendary character actor Sean Whelan. Lessons, tips, and insight into the craft and business of acting from a man who's been directed by the likes of Spielberg, Eastwood, Tim Burton, Ang Lee, Michael Bay, Wes Craven, Tom Hanks, and many more of Hollywood's A-List. He is 30 years an actor and your professor, Sean Whelan. All right, uh, Roxy, we have to discuss it. It's the elephant in the room. The I know it is. The blue jacket is back. Um, the I, blue jacket is back because we have our special reason. guest. Mm-hmm, yeah, we mm-hmm. have our special guest. Oh, I thought you guys were just coordinating your outfits today. Actually, no. We, we uh, The blue jacket is the jacket I bought Holly in Paris. It's uh, was tailored to me. It's It makes me look thin. This is a whole discussion. Roxy thinks I'm thin already. Yeah, but but I but I like it because it takes my old man gut and kind of squeezes it in. And I wear it on you know certain occasions. I didn't want to overdo it, but I wore it today because you came in. And then look at us. It's like we are America. It's mm-hmm. red, red and blue mm-hmm. are the colors. Like, do you not feel like her shirt's orange? Is it orange? I wasn't going to correct you. I just thought maybe you had a color issue or something. Yeah. Really? Am I, do I, is it's not red-ish? It's orange. You yeah. know what? It feels. It did looked orange when you walked in, but it feels redder next to you. Oh, to be really honest, because I wonder it, what that means about me. Because you've got the bright blue. I think. Oh, oh there, we go. there we go. There we go. All right, here we wow, go. So anyway, Jeff. it's back. It is back. So we're going to talk about the Meisner technique, and the reason I have my friend Holly here is because she actually studied with Sandy Meisner, and we're going to talk to her today about what that was like. We're going to break it down. What is it? Why are people so interested in it? Why was it an offshoot of Lee Strasberg and Stella Adler? What's it, what's different? And it is really popular today, and we're going to find out why we think that is as well. But before we do that, we're going to talk about my week, Sean's week. Ready? One. Well, who am I, and who's in the booth? Oh, I didn't even introduce you, don't even you guys. Want to say wow, who we are? I don't even introduce you guys. You just guys. want to go right to your week. It's all about so, so, so typical actor. No, and that's and that is actually not good for, for Meisner, Meisner, right? Because I'm not <laughs> working off of anyone else. It's I'm all being about so you. Centered. Yes, it's terrible. But then again, terrible. I was all about me there. Yeah, no, no. You were already moving no, on. No, but you, you were did that correcting off of you. it wrong. Mm-hmm. Right, you were working off of my neglect of you. Uh-huh. So there you uh, go. I'm so horror. sorry. I'm very. I'm ashamed of myself. As always, Miss <laughs> Phenomenal Roxy Stryer's with me. No, well, I can't be that phenomenal. No, I think you do have every right to be. Thank you. And thank you. Uh, Mr. Funtabulous in the booth, Jeff Graham. Feeling Funtabulous as always. And I, instead of saying Sean, I will say hello, Professor Y. That's my that's my moniker. Yes. Here. But today is when you pick to bring that back. I know it's a bad yeah. Mm. A professor selfish professor today. Wise, professor selfish today. Professor <laughs> had wiser intros. That's what we'll 
that's my that's my shamed. Um, and then, I, as I mentioned, my friend Holly Gagne, a teacher at Playhouse West. But before we get to talk to her about all of this, we're going to talk about Sean's week. One, two, three. Sean's week. Oh, I went. Whoa. Whoa, and I love that she worked yeah. off of Sorry, one more time. I'm going to hop in, too. One, two, three. Sean's Week. I loved Whoa. Oh, with Ch- like, sing- we, we sounded like Wilson Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is way too complimentary. That is way too okay. complimentary. But I love it, and I love that uh, we all worked off each other and lived in the moment and went with our gut instincts, all Meisner things. Mm-hmm. So my week this week, um, I have... All like these projects I've been working on the last couple of years have kind of resurfaced. Crust, as I told you, my uh, horror comedy finally is going to be broken down to a 30-minute segment of an anthology. There's going to be three short stories, three half hours, and I'm taking a 90-page script and knocking it down to 30 pages. Which is no easy feat. Which is no easy feat. There's blood on the floor, man. My writing partner and I are very, it's so tough to break it all down. Uh, to get rid of all that dialogue you love, those side characters, everything that it's makes like it fun. It's like the writer's version of The Biggest Loser. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really is. It's so... <laughs> what a showcase. It is. It is so... Well, she's on After Buzz. She's yeah. right in the zone. Great point. And then, uh, so, and then Psyche on Vine, a play we did a year ago, we got another, some new interest. Um, we, uh, my partner, Doug Van Beber, has a connection at a place. I, I it's very general. I actually said the other day in a meeting, like, you can't talk about this in any way specific, but we got but new love. But you're going love. to anyway? We, no, I'm saying <laughs> we've got new, we got new love for it, and it's being developed into something pretty special at a, uh, at a, at a cool production company. That's all I can say. So that's Fancy. exciting. Yeah, that's really fun. And then I finally had my meeting with Peter Lenkoff, the showrunner of MacGyver and uh, Magnum P.I., and um, Hawaii Five O, we kind of caught up. We talked about Jury Duty, the Polly Shore movie where we met. Um, we, ooh, it's just, I thought it, I thought it was going to be a cool intro to like Hawaii Five O music. I think we're just upgrading studios. Yeah, we're hearing there some we buzzing. go. We're hearing some buzzing. All but, right, but what happened to your growling skills just there? What do you mean? Uh, where were they? Why, why? I was trying. I, I thought it was. I thought it was the, like the beginning chords of like a cool Hawaii Five O type music or something. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because all you do, you just stopped. And you listened. I didn't know, and I thought it was going to like kick in oh, to like. You were like ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was ready to write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, but that was really interesting and was listen, guys, in this. That's me. Oh, that one's you. <laughs> is it me? I mean, we're it's playing, his bell. We're playing a it's whole... Pavlovian. Yeah, a whole chorus for you guys today. For, yeah. We got noises. We got the construction Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not based on that. And uh, the chimes. Yeah, but it was interesting. In this day and age, and I think uh, Holly can agree, when we first started, Holly and I, it was always play it cool, but now people are way more direct of going, hey, man, I'd love to be in your project. And that's what I've learned more. So I said to Peter Lenkoff, hey, I'd love to be a recurring character on one of your shows. That's a nice way of saying as we get older, we need to beg. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like that <laughs> No, but I actually, like, there's but that's you, just you, the kind filter, of the more... The filter is off at that point. You've worked yeah. enough where you've earned, the. I think, the opportunity yeah. to say, hey... I would love this. You're yeah, being more they, forward. And yes. they threw me a curveball when I did his show, and I handled it really well. So I said, was kind of like, hey. But we had a really good time, and uh, obviously I sent my nice thank you letter, which please always do when you have meetings in this town you or anybody. You think handwritten, Sean? Uh, not all, it doesn't have to be handwritten, but you must have some sort of acknowledgement of something. Either if you're 
really communicating on text, a really nice thank you text, or at least an email or something. So nothing um, stalkery, but yeah, always nothing nice stalkery. To, yeah, exactly. And I got to work with my favorite director, my daughter Amy, who once again was super brutal. Um, my 15-year-old is now taping my self-tapes because she's so harsh. I yeah. mean, so harsh. And I was so excited about this one. I felt really prepared. I had this big emotional scene where I get all upset and start to cry because this cop is scaring me in the interrogation room. And I did it the first time. And I'm thinking, this is going to be easy breezy. And she's like, I don't know. It's kind of like a cartoon. I don't know what I don't believe that at all. Are you are you faking sad? Or and I was like, oh my teenagers, god, she's tough. So, she's tough. The she's gift really they keep tough. Keep on giving. Yeah. teenagers. <laughs> teenagers. Yeah, it was really really great, but it was it was really fun. So um, that was a lot of my week. Plus, Roxy and I had a really good coaching yesterday. It was. Really good. It was great, wasn't yeah, it? It was really good. We got yeah. there. We got there. We got there. We were figuring stuff out and when it's playing that one with line. things. Yeah. Really? You know those like the three line things. They gave her like a very simple three line thing and you can, you know, try to figure it out left and right. But unless it feels natural, those are some of the hardest ones. Oh, an audition with a yeah. little co star. Those are the hardest, most yeah, difficult with things. Just to a do. few lines and, and all you're supposed to be is normal. Yeah. You know, and there's not even anything to dig into. So uh we had a lot of fun too. So it's been a very, very busy week and uh, getting ready for my daughter to go to college Crazy. in a couple of weeks. So Getting all that coffee in, John. And, and we got excited about, uh, she was very excited to hear that Roxy's from Boston and that she gave us some Boston tips. Oh, you're not even ready for half of We're well. so Boston excited. Is the best. She was the so best. excited. Yeah, yeah, she was very excited about that. Before we jump into the Meisner stuff, let's uh, hear why it's important for you guys to engage with us. Roxy, will you tell us a little bit about After and how it works here. Well, absolutely. At AfterBuzz TV, we do coverage for all your favorite TV shows, and we also have specialty shows like Acting Class Weekly with your very own Sean Whalen. Yes. Here's what you guys can do to help, though, because we are providing all this content to you for free. Here's all we ask for, for you to rate, comment, and subscribe. So why does that matter to us, guys? Why do we need them to rate, comment, and subscribe? Right. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to answer that question, Holly. You don't have to answer anything <laughs> you don't want to. you got to rate, comment, and subscribe because it actually helps more people find our show. So the way that YouTube and iTunes, all the algorithms work is that if there are more comments, if there are more five stars, more thumbs up, all of that great stuff, then the community gets larger because other people are able to search for the show easier, quicker, and then they come and join this. Also, with the comments, we actually know what you guys want to talk about. So that's really important for us to hear what it is that you guys have questions about. I know that one that has come up a couple of times is Meisner technique yeah. and what it is, how to apply it, where you get taught, what, why it's important, if it's the only method, or all of those questions that we're going to go over today. So uh, we really appreciate it. We hear you guys, and we want to address all of your amazing acting needs and concerns. Also, I wanted to give a couple shout-outs going yeah. over to... Uh, our podcast feed because those of you who don't want to see Sean and Mai's uh, really lovely faces faces every week (laughs) I I would say we're pretty interesting looking duo yeah, right? yeah. with the blue jacket they've yeah, got yeah, to have yeah. checked us out a couple of times at yeah. least uh, that maybe you guys only want to listen to us via podcast and so the people who have done that who've gone over to write those reviews we absolutely adore you guys and I want to read a couple of them out loud for you nice. so here we go let's go with 
Uh, appreciation post. This is from Who Dated. Okay. I don't know what that means. Not me. <laughs> me neither, girl. It says, I've listened to every one of the shows twice. This podcast has really helped me get my acting career going. I've found a class that works for my schedule and it's helped me gain confidence in my acting. So thank you so much, Sean, Roxy, and Jeff. Please continue. Nice. We appreciate that. That's um, awesome. They're pretty, pretty great. Great one. Uh, another one that's called Gold Mine of Information from Emily Malden. I have a tendency to butcher people's names, so oh, okay. I think that's Malden. Malden. M A U L D I N. Yeah, Malden sounds good. Emily said, uh, that I can pronounce, I didn't know how much I needed acting class weekly with Sean Whalen. As someone who's just getting into acting, this podcast is insanely helpful. Sean provides great insight on the industry and wonderful tips on how to improve yourself, not only as an actor, but as a human being. From this podcast, I've learned that it is imperative to be kind to yourself and know yourself well in order to be successful. So thank nice. you guys so That's much. If you are true. here, don't forget to leave five stars and write something. We will read it every single week. We try to do one or two. Yes. We love you. Thank you. Thank Thank you so, so much. So let's jump in and answer these questions. Yes. Firstly, let's get a little background about Holly and I and then Holly herself and how she has the authority to speak on this. How did we meet? We always say that with our guests. We were in, I joined Playhouse West because I was at Groundlings. I had done really well. A friend at Groundlings, actually, I went to some auditions and this casting director was like, you have no idea what you're doing. I loved seeing you in the Sunday show at the at the Groundlings, but like in terms of applying it and putting it into an audition, you don't know what you're doing. And I went, oh, okay. And because then, at UCLA, they taught you nothing about that. I only was there, remember, for, for a, few a few times, yeah. and we were just in a uh, really great acting technique class for the first semester. Um, and so that had been a while, and then. I was a good friend of mine at the Groundlings said, listen, you've got to go kind of backwards. If you've never done like real acting technique or anything, you should do that. So I forfeited my slot at the at the main company. They were doing a vote and I said, no, nah, just take me off the ballot. I want to I need I think I need to learn how to act. My roommate, Doug Van Bever, was at Playhouse West. He enjoyed it. And I came into the beginning class. Now, at that point, Holly, you were either advanced I was or teaching. you were teaching already yeah. by the time I came in. Wow. wow. But not a not, lot of not classes, lot. right? We but only you had were, a few at that point. Right. Other people than Bob Carnegie, yeah. who founded Playhouse West, was with Jeff Goldblum. So that's how we met. And then Doug knew Holly really well. And then we had our you Christmas parties. You met because she parties. was your teacher or because she was a. Uh, Doug, and, all I, in a Doug and I came they up were, in class together. Yeah. Oh. So Doug was ahead of me. Yeah. And then we always had our holiday parties. Did you come to one of our famous holiday I parties? Think so. Probably at our apartment. Yeah. We had some pretty rowdy holiday my parties. Invite? You were in the womb. So <laughs> Good you were for me. Not even it was nice yet. and warm in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I found out recently, we have teacher meetings at Playhouse West, that I didn't even know that Holly actually studied with Sandy when he was in Southern California. The two most terrifying years of my life. <laughs> it was for two years? Yeah, yeah. it's a two-year program. Wow. That is so crazy that you actually studied I with actually him. studied yeah. with him. So can you give me a little bit of history between Sandy, Jeff, and Bob and how they kind of got together to do the play, to do Playhouse West? Um, well, Bob studied everywhere. He studied right. with Stella. He studied um, mm-hmm. at the Actors Studio. He was kind of like me in the sense that we had literally taken from the best teachers in the mm-hmm. world. And then 
um, he and Jeff had William Esper, okay. and they had Bill Alderson, and they both decided they were very good friends in New York, and they decided to move out to L.A. together. Let's talk about who Bill Esper is Bill in, Esper to and, Sandy. Uh, he was a student of Sandy's. Right. Uh, he teaches at NYU, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and he is you know up there with probably, he currently has a book out, you know, probably one of the more, other than Robert Carnegie, knowledgeable people on Sandy's work. He was a worked student. Directly he went and, and worked directly with Sandy. There mm-hmm. aren't a lot of people that did that. Sidney Pollack did it. Right. Um, you know, a lot you. of people had a, yeah. me. Yep. And Robert, and when she says, like, the difference between Robert Carnegie and, and Bill Esper is they, like, they would sit right next to they them. They would literally and, sit in all of his classes yeah. for years. Yeah. Years and years and years and have collected notes and notes and watched how Sandy evolved and how the how the actual technique evolved a bit as Sandy taught longer and mm-hmm. longer as you know you evolve as a teacher just like you evolve as an actor exactly so so bob and jeff moved to, to la okay and there were no meisner schools out here okay and so they started just like a rehearsal group of people that had either had sandy mm-hmm. or they wanted to introduce to meisner technique and that group had michelle pfeiffer i mean this group had wow huge huge names what year are you talking ish Oh, early 80s. Yeah. Early 80s. Yeah. And um, they uh, reached out to Sandy as time went on in the mid to late 80s and got him to come out to Los Angeles and teach out in L.A. He wasn't teaching at the Neighborhood Playhouse anymore. And so he came out to L.A. He taught at Playhouse West. And I first had to meet with him, and um, you went to the West Indies and studied with him in the summer in the oh, West you Indies. Went there. I was in the West Indies oh at his home God. for a whole summer. That's at his home. At his home in the West Indies yeah, on the he island. Did like of, a small. It was a how small, many people? It was twenty of us on the island of Bequi. Yeah, and you worked every day, and then you in the afternoon, the late afternoon, you could go up and visit with him and pick his brain, which I did literally every single day. How were you selected to be in this group? You had to meet with him. And And I had a very similar thing as you. I'd studied everywhere. I'd worked a ton. I did my first commercial at three years old. I mean, I've made my entire adult living as an actor. But I'd have a great audition, then I'd have a terrible audition. Or I'd have a great take and then a terrible take. And I studied with people who were... I was with Milton Casellas. I I was everywhere. Right. But I, I didn't know literally absolute basic fundamental i had never been taken from basic technique and Mm -hmm. i met with sandy and he said look this is going to be the equivalent of you going to kindergarten this is as if you have a phd and you've got to go back to kindergarten do you think you can do it and i said i have to do it i want to do it and Mm -hmm. i did the same thing i called my agents i took a year off right and I went to the West Indies and then I came back to LA and out of the two classes in the West Indies, he would form one class of people. Not everybody that was in the West Indies were invited into his class. Mm. How did you ensure that you would get invited? You had to be damn good. Right. So it was yeah. about, at that point, it was about talent. Even, no, but like it, an advance, but also it, probably committed. No, and, it was a, more about your commitment. He, yeah. he knew everybody progressed, you know, and were at different levels in their career and who had worked and who hadn't. But 
but it was more about how hard were you willing to right. work and practice and show up. Guys, listen to my other podcasts. I talk about this all the time. Dedication, making yourself easy to work with, easy to be with. That's who people want to work with. And well, that's... yeah. I mean, you know, Michael Jordan didn't make his high school varsity basketball team. And, yeah. You know, he did something right. Right, right. So uh, you work with him uh, at Playhouse. What? So, so this is why Holly's here. She's worked directly with him. She knows all about it. But who is Sandy? Right? We're, we keep saying this, but you guys don't even know who he is. I did it's talk first about name basis. This. You guys are on. It's yeah. blowing my Sandy mind. Meisner, sorry, but we um, we I talked about this on a podcast a while ago. But I've talked about it before, how everything kind of changed in the early 1900s with Stanislavski, and then a group of people from New York went over and studied with him. He influenced them, and they started a thing called the Group Theater in the 30s, and very famous people were there, Stella Adler, um, um, Clifford Clifford Odets, Lee Strasberg, um, Ilya Kazan, Kazan. This, this was a very powerful group, and they were together together for like almost 10 years like almost 10 years in the 30s and they really brought a, about the idea of real acting human experience theater was always presentational and something to be seen from a distance and what Stanislavski did and and, and indoctrinated these people with was the idea that we will get more involved if it looks more like real life and so that's what they were so passionate about and worked on. And then this famous group kind of splintered off, and they all took kind of what they thought were the most important elements and created their own. Lee Strasberg's was um, it all, and this was all under the umbrella of the method, right? Right. And and what they discovered was, if you really read up on this and, and read further on, that a lot of the translation mm-hmm. was lost on them. And, and in toward the end, Lee Strasberg kind of admitted that, yeah. that the method wasn't exactly what he had initially mm-hmm. uh, believed it to be. Right, right. And so they... The the people, Lee Strasberg kind of went in really hard on this idea of when you see people on screen who are being emotional, let's say they have to be sad. Lee Strasberg's technique had this idea that you use sense memory, things from your real life. And let's say you had a trauma when you were five and you saw your aunt get hit by a car or something horrible and you would call it up. Well, Something you want to be calling up every day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. And this was the idea that, yeah. that when you start to dig in and listen, there's rumors and I don't know how you feel about this, Holly, that this is what messed up kind of Marilyn Monroe because well, she was so up a fragile. Lot of she was so fragile and they kept on digging into these things. Now, Unless you're really mentally healthy, which I don't know anyone who is while they're trying to figure things out in their young life, uh, or have really good therapy or something to work this out, it can just dig up stuff and then it just sits there. Yeah, the other problem with that is it's not reliable. Real life issues 
aren't reliable today. And can you explain that? Well, today it will be, you know, your dad dying today will be devastating for you. Right. Tomorrow it might not be. It might be the parking lot at Trader well, Joe's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I mean, you never know. You know, you grow out of things, you recover from things. And so, so what it, do you mean? It might be the parking lot. Well, no, the, the, what we're trying to say is that that's kind of a different issue, but it's, it's the idea that you don't know what's going to hit you from day to day. And if you say, oh, my father's death when I was 10 or whatever, and then you start to go, well, that's that's what I got to do to prepare to be sad, right? Well, one day you might honestly be more sad about the parking lot at Trader Joe's and you go, no, 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 I shouldn't do that. And it's like, no, if that's what's hitting you, you should. But but it, you're, what she's saying the is that things change. The other problem with that is that it creates these angst-ridden creative people that think in order to be a good actor, if I've had... You can have had a a picket fence, picture-perfect life with incredible parents and head cheerleader and all those things, very much like Meryl Streep, quite frankly, until until her boyfriend died, um, and still be an amazing actor. You don't have to have suffered with all this personal, miserable stuff. Right. You can actually try something called your imagination that you've been born with, that you've been using since you were three years old and, and staring out the window, and someone one day told you to stop doing that. And, um, you know, you ran around the, the house when you were little with a towel around your neck and you were Superman. Right. Um, you have to enlist that. You have to have the imagination of a three-year-old. And that wasn't what I was reading was there early on, like early on, they kind of pushed against Lee Strasberg mm-hmm. for that. So so, so Lee Strasberg when goes... When you say they pushed against... Uh, the group theater. Other group theater teachers, uh, Stella Adler and really Sandy were the two most prominent. And so then she came because then she went to she? Uh, Stella Adler, okay. went to see Stanislavski, and then what she took the most was the physical act of doing things, like the like living it out, the movement and things like that. So that was her emphasis. But then Sandy was obviously moved by her thing, but he also was against Lee Strasberg's. That's how his method was kind of formed. He kind of took... Everything they were learning as a group, kind of like religion or any group, basketball coaches, it doesn't yeah. matter what it Philosophies, is. Philosophies. Yeah, right. and kind of pared it down into, you know, those books like Physics for Dummies. He kind of, he pared it down into such simple terms that the end result, acting-wise, looked so real and so human because it was so simple. You know, you look at Robert Duvall, you look at Diane Keaton, yeah. their performances are just so honest and right. and and authentic. And that's what started to happen is there was an authenticity to that style of acting that connected with audiences. You know, people would go to the group theaters performances and and the top rows of the of these Broadway shows that were the poor tickets those were filled with people from just everyday life because they felt that their voices were finally being spoken right. of the lives they were living. Kind of, their, and that was their passion, to break down the wall. The yeah. same, theater should be for everybody. And that was really their pa- passion. So breaking down what it is, there's just basic tenets to what Sandy teaches. And one is working off the other actor. If you guys were sitting here, like perfect example, and I always love to use examples from the actual show, 
the way you looked at me and kind of gave me a hard time and said, hey, you forgot me. You forgot to introduce us, right? It would be a completely different experience if you were just staring at me with dagger eyes and then just said, wow, you forgot me. That would make me feel a little, a lot different because you affect me. And so we have, he took the idea that we are affected by the people who are around us. And he wanted to make sure that that was really important. And to, as we were joking around, like not be self-centered and, and put and work off of the other people and how they actually make you feel. So that's one basic. Well, yeah, you figure when you look at life, your responses all day are to what's happening to you. Right. You know, whether it be the guy at Starbucks or your sister or your boyfriend or your lack of a boyfriend, life is happening to you and you're responding to that. You're not self-generating emotion and this and that. It's as a result of what is happening to you or and lack your thereof point of view, right? and your point of view about it. Right. Secondly, we just kind of mentioned briefly that, you know, we didn't want you to dig into your own life. And Holly touched on this. Use your imagination. So instead of using something devastating uh, from your real life and you had to be really sad, you could say, I imagine that I had a dog since because I don't and I haven't. But I had a dog since, you know, in my late 40s that I loved, that I bought, that um, was when I was going through a midlife crisis and it helped me through that. And I'm, and this dog is going to be put down today. Well, I would go through that and then you use your imagination very specifically. Like I'm in the vet. I am you know, walking him in, I'm laying him on the table, and that will bring up my emotions. But you're, you're mis- the most important aspect of that is the, you have to connect with that. Right, right, right. It has to be something to personally you. that you understand. I can give you the easiest example. I coach kids all the time. I have a huge kids coaching clientele. And the big thing right now, because of 13 Reasons Why, is suicide. Okay, okay? that's a big common topic. Well, try coaching a nine-year-old on an episode of a show where they're contemplating suicide. Most kids don't even know what that is. Right. So you break it down into its most simple human terms. What is the human element of suicide? Giving up. Quitting. Right. Right. Quitting. So then you can look at a kid rather than you need to study suicide and you need to do this. I mean, eventually, if you book a role, you do need to delve in. Right, right. With audition purposes, especially, Mm -hmm. there's no time for that. Right. You've got to look at a kid and go, okay, essentially, what is this about? You're having to give up on something. Have you ever had a pet, but your sister was allergic and had to give it back? Or would you know how that would feel? Right. Have you ever wanted to play a sport and then you weren't good enough and and your family kind of made you quit or you quit? and how that felt, they immediately, it clicks. Right. Because it's put in terms of what you can personally wrap your head around. It doesn't have to have happened to you. You just have to understand it. And this is something, guys, we've talked about a million times on this podcast and other episodes is knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. So how to help you settle yourself for a headshot, know who you are, what, you know, that way. But again, knowing yourself for this, too. 
what does move me? For, so for me, if I had a beautiful dog during certain times of my life and, a, and if I was putting it down, then it would move me. But if I was saying, oh, you know, it's the loss of this house that I liked, that might not do it for me. Right. So you have to know yourself and so find in, a personal. In that way, uh, you guys are saying uh, that it had nothing to really do with life experience. But to me, it right. totally does have to do with it life experience. It has to do with your understanding of life. Right. You don't have to have experience. But yet. your understanding of life, does that not have to do with your life experiences? No, because you might have been raped, and it's so close to home that you could never even deal with that in your acting. Right, but the way that you're describing to your the students that you're teaching the children is relating it to things that they could understand. But from- they don't have to have lived. Right. Right, but they just understand it based on their life experiences. If you don't if you have never either, I don't know, played a sport, maybe that doesn't resonate with them. If you've never had a right. pet, maybe right. that doesn't resonate right. with you them. Just give examples of breaking it down to do you know what it's like to have to quit something or give up on something or say goodbye to something. They right. all will find something that right. they do. So 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 what she's also saying is then you can say, Okay. So imagine that you are on a uh, your what sport would you wish you could do? I wish I could surf. So then imagine that you were a top surfer, and then your family had to move to the Midwest. Right. And, do you know what I mean? So you take you the understanding expand, expand of it, and that. then you take their imagination. But I think I mean? we first need to backtrack. The, the the most important thing, and this is the easiest analogy about this Meisner work, which is totally different than any other technique, is that if this were basketball. When you, let's say you wanted to learn how to play basketball, no one would just plunk you in the middle of a basketball game and say, well, run around. You'll figure out how to play. You don't know how to dribble. You don't know how to pass. You don't know how to shoot. You don't even know the machinations. So the Meisner work, the beginning work starts with these exercises that are all about learning the machinations you need to be a good actor, repeating, listening, being affected by the other person, just like a sport, it's just the skills. The fundamentals. The fundamentals. It's the only technique that does this. Then the mm-hmm. intermediate work is kind of, you've learned the fundamentals, so now we're going to have you do a little practice game. All right? You know how to dribble, pass, and shoot. So do you. We're going to have a little game where you start to learn about... Like a two-on-two. Yeah, you know what I mean? fouls like that kind and of things thing. like that. No ref, no shot clock, no anything. By the advanced work, you now have mad skills, and we can sit down and work on how are you going to approach this material, which is essentially the playbook. And, um, you know, LeBron James doesn't think about dribbling when he gets when he gets onto the court. Right. He, he can do it in his sleep. So that's what this initial repetition is about. And people, this is huge misconception. Oh, Meisner, repetition. You're wearing a blue jacket. You're wearing a blue jacket. Blah, blah, blah. That's not what it is at all. It's Let's about clarify con- just what she's talking about. In the Meisner technique, there is one of the beginning exercises is looking at each other and just repeating something that you notice back and forth. That's what she's talking about, and some people will hear that. I think that's so the that's beginning, the, the middle, and the end of right. Meisner work. And it isn't. And it is essentially just... A fundamental, if we're playing basketball, of me teaching you how to how, catch the ball. Yeah, and you'd say bounce pass, and I yeah. bounce pass or direct so pass. So it is about um, this technique is about first learning the skills, then starting to act, and that's what I found invaluable. I had been to more acting classes in New York where I was plunked up in, and, and they throw a you scene. a scene. They, they throw you a scene. scene, and you don't know how to behave. That is literally 
the equivalent of, of going to medical school and them handing you a scalpel and saying, okay, we'll, we'll teach you as we go. It's, yeah. it's Acting is the only thing that does that. Right. Dancers don't do it. Singers don't do it. Musicians yeah. don't do it. Yeah. But just you sit at the piano and hit the chords. You'll eventually find a tune. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, so that's why this is now being taught, because they're realizing that a lot of people just don't know the basic fundamentals of listening, being affected, opening yourself emotionally listen as soon as i i kind of teach when i do my private with people with no experience i do kind of meisner work to get this fundamentals and you know sometimes they'll say hey when do i do a scene and i go when you're getting these doors and activities and all these imaginations stronger then we'll move it into that but not until you've mastered the fundamentals and once people hear that it's you know harder they're going to go oh shoot all right i gotta actually dig in because the people who are really good at something yeah. make it look so easy yeah. and you're looking at acting and you're thinking gosh that's so good but you don't really understand why once you develop a technique and you're starting to really watch you're going to be amazed how many people don't really listen don't right. really speak to each other you're going to go oh that's why and that actress in their heads jumps out their at lines. me right. yeah, they're in their heads thinking and listen all you have to do is look at people and say do I believe what they're doing do I yeah. believe I who they are? I am affected by them. And the biggest, probably, tenet of it, besides the reality of doing things, now that's all method acting. They want you to do something. So if you're writing a letter on a, on a in a play to your grandmother, they want you to write that letter to your grandmother. They don't want you faking it. They want you to Who's do that. Um, any person who teaches any kind of method acting, okay. the reality of doing. And that's one of the tenets, too. But the greatest one is living truthfully under an imaginary circumstance. And I tell this to my students all the time. You know, Luke Skywalker didn't really lose his aunt and uncle, <laughs> yeah. you know, to go join the rebellion. But... When we see him looking at the farm and they're dead, and because of his cockiness, he caused them trouble, you understand how he feels. And then you understand as a human being saying, well, I have nothing left here. I may as well go join the rebellion. That's an understandable, even though it's a completely imaginary circumstance. That's a huge, huge thing is living a truthful life in any imaginary circumstance. And that's even more these days because most of these actors are working off of green screens. CGI, you know, all sorts of, you know, post So, post So stuff. the imagination stuff is huge, and that's why Sandy's... I think that's why Sandy's Method is probably one of the most popular right now because the imagination. And it's so simple to teach if it's taught properly. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. there are a million people out there that are like, yeah, I've had Meisner, I teach Meisner. And then when I start to really question them, and it, it's like, actually, no, you don't, you don't understand what this is really about and, and how this really needs to be taught. Because you can mess somebody up, just yeah. like anything. So we, uh, this dovetails nicely into like, you know, how do I study Meisner? And here's what's exciting that Holly and I were actually talking about outside and something I really learned from going to staff meetings with Bob Carnegie. You know, it was evolving. Sandy was all, so you can't say, well, this is the way. Even Sandy, you know, grew and changed mm -hmm. and let things become more uh, important to him and less and evolving as he 
taught over the decades. Yeah, if you're a creative person, regardless of what it is, I think you're kind of always reinventing the wheel. How can I simplify this? How can I add to this? What can I do to help? You know, I notice what especially in advanced students have been around for a while. I know what I need to do with them to kind of change it up a little bit. You do evolve as a teacher no different than you do as an artist. Right. So so yeah, so so when someone says this is the only way to do Meisner, be very wary of that. So how do you find a good Meisner school? I would say go ahead. But it isn't that Slightly what you just said, that there's, sometimes when other people are teaching Meisner, you don't think it's the right way? It depends. Uh, my opinion is the proof is in the pudding. How many of those students of that school are working that came from the ground up are your, and no different with coaching, Right. are your people booking? Yeah. And, you know, I think the proof is completely in the pudding. If you have no actors booking anything... Um, something right. must be wrong. Right. You look at a school, a reputable school like Playhouse West, mm-hmm. you're going to see how many people are working. Right. And, you know, no different than if you're training at a particular, you have your kid in gymnastics, you're going to look for what gym turns out the best gymnasts that go on to the Olympics that go or on to. Or get scholarships Yeah, or same anything. with colleges. When you're looking yeah. at colleges for sports or whatever, you're going to do your due diligence and see, well, who have these schools and these people turned out? Because there's right. a lot of them. Yeah, so, so there are, that's one way to find a good Meisner school. Now, let's say, Holly, I'm in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I I don't live in Los Angeles or Chicago, but I want to start to learn about Meisner technique. What, what books, movies? I, I've already said to you guys, um, I said it, uh, Wendy Smith's book. The uh, real life drama, oh, such a great book. Real Sandy life drama. autograph my copy. Oh, <laughs> you're so lucky. Really good book. That's about the group theater. Um, any other books? Well, Sanford Meisner on acting. William Esper just came out with two books. One right. is called The Art and Craft of Acting. Um, they're incredible. Okay. The Fervent Years is on the group theater. Um, and then what you can do is find a book on, for instance, Kazan, who was out of the group theater. And while you're reading the book and you're seeing him them speak about plays or films, start to watch the films as you're reading the book. You literally okay. are giving yourself an education um, where you're correlating, you know, what it, what they're talking about in the book, and then actually watching the film and studying it. Yeah, I will have my students, you know, even though he wasn't, he was more a Stella person, but I will have people watch my students watch you know, um, Streetcar Named Desire. And just to see that's how it all kind of changed. When when uh, Marlon Brando was on Broadway, there was phone calls to the police because the thug had walked on stage because he was so real. He mm-hmm. was so... Uh, and you can see the difference and you kind of watch as it grows. And then I have the man with the Godfather and go, oh, now that's when everybody, even James Kahn, had worked with mm-hmm. Sandy. And you can see the difference. Duval. Duval, you can see how they've all, everybody kind of raised from when it was kind of Marlon Brando doing the method alone. Well, what was interesting, though, was Marlon Brando was, you know, they all had, um, oh my gosh, I just had a total brain fart, who they mm. all idolized. You got in the car accident, Monty Clift. Oh, you know, Monty Clift, Clift was was the kind of gold standard that they were all trying Trying to 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 get to. He was kind of where, you know, what they held as at the time 
the guy. So even they had their inspiration and they were studying people. Right. You know? So you watch. So so you're saying you get a good book, and whenever they mention of the so Elia Kazan uh, directed on the waterfront with Marlon Brando mm-hmm. for facing the crowd. Tree grows in Brooklyn. Yeah. So you could read his book and then watch some of his movies, um, and that's a really good way to mm-hmm. start your education. Now. Is it possible, and we just say this because, and we don't know if there is an answer, but if you are alone and you don't have a good acting class around you, is there a way to practice? What I do is I say, watch people's behavior mm-hmm. in grocery stores and stuff like that, and then see how it makes you feel. First mm-hmm. of all, identify it and say, oh, they, they seem stressed. Why? Because they're running with the cell phone and the way they're talking and they're hyperventilating and running and, you know. And then see how it makes you feel. That's the only way. But is there any other way that you could kind of practice the um, technique? I know it's a very, obviously it's a, with other actors. I, but I, I don't know can. if that's even possible until you get into a class. You can. I think as you go through life and things affect you or you see a story on the news and, and something about it does something to you, you can sit there and let your imagination fly. I right. mean you know, the number one necessity to be a good actor is to have a good imagination. imagination. And and that is something that you have been doing on your own since you were little and thought there was yeah. a monster under the bed. Right. So, you know... Um, well, I actually, to, to expand on what you just said, when I have my students watch, they'll evolve. They'll, they'll first watch um, people see how they behave, then see how it affects them. Then I'll say, now I want you to create a story. Mm-hmm. Why Why that guy was stressed. And you come up with your imagination and say, oh, well, he just found out that his court case, that he's going to make him the greatest lawyer in Los Angeles, got moved from yesterday to today. And all his files are downtown, and he's got to be you know, in Santa Monica, which is very far away for our listeners who don't know. And <laughs> that's why he's stressed. And so you build an imaginary story, mm-hmm. you know. That those are all ways that you can, and that's what Holly yeah. is saying: is you I can build a backstory or a build. Yeah, I do think it's also critical that you become sensitive as a human being. Um, you don't want to just observe people; you want to be affected right. by things. Now, you don't have to walk around and spend your whole day You're going, like, "Oh, you know, this yeah, is crying and me laughing and, this is and yeah, me. yeah." But you certainly, if your attention is on someone else, you are going to see, you're going to sense, first of all, we do it in real life. Your mom calls or someone calls you and says, hi, honey. And you're like, what's the matter? Oh, nothing. You know, you're tuned in. Right. So if you're tuned in as a human being kind of throughout the day, you are going to, and by the way, that's what psychics do. That's all they're doing is they're like totally tuning into your behavior. Right. Um, well, Hugh Jackman said, you know, listen, acting is a way to not to wake up as an artist. And then he finally said, well, actually, it's a, a way to wake up as a human being. Yes. You know, profilers are watching behavior when you right. I'm, I'm addicted to those Dateline shows. They'll, they'll say to the perp, then what did you do? They don't say, what did you say? 
Right. Who did you say it to? They say, well, after you found the body, what did you do? do. They're right. watching behavior. They're studying behavior. They're, it's all about what was the person's next move. Right. Where did they drive to? What did they do? Who did they call? It's never about what did you say. Because if you study film, what you're saying and what you're doing are never right. the same. My, I, I say this all the time. My teenage daughters hate when I, they say, how are you doing? Fine. And I'll say, well, yeah. I, I said I was fine. And I yeah, always say, and <laughs> the line in my house that drives them crazy is, it's not what you said. It's how you said it. And yeah. that's going to inform me. My daughter always more. goes, don't, don't pull your teaching step on me. <laughs> you know, I know it's you're the annoying. curse of being a child of actors. We're annoying sometimes. Yeah. Well, because we, we don't. We can tell what you're feeling. We know your behavior, and we're affected by it. You're our kids. So uh, so that is really good ways to kind of get started on the Meisner journey. There's so many, there's so many actors that you could study that have studied with Sandy. Oh, my gosh. I love seeing Jeff. I got, I got to study with Jeff Goldblum when he Same. was there, and, and man... He is to me is the epitome of Meisner. I always tell my students, watch the way he's so focused on you in his scenes, and he's so affected. And yet, it looks so improvised. It looks it's so like, was improvised. this improvised? Yeah. Is it not improvised? And that's the best is when you don't know if something is yeah. improvised or not. I think that is the key result of watching someone that's miser trained is it literally doesn't look scripted. Well, speaking of not scripted, my stories from the set briefly to wrap this up is from People Under the Stairs and Wes Craven. You know, my part had no, I had a guy who had no lines because my tongue was cut out. And all I had at all was to be focused and working off and affected Everybody, so it was so great that I got that after I'd studied at Playhouse because all I was doing was looking and being emotionally reactive to everybody around me because I had nothing to say. Yeah. So I had to be in tune, and he was just thrilled. Wes Craven was just thrilled that I had that training. And what a way to do it when you have no lines. You're completely affected. So what did you think? Do you feel like uh, Miss Phenomenal? Do you have a better understanding of Meisner? I know you knew a lot of it already, but yeah, is it was, there? it's nice to hear you guys talk about. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting it, it, and, and I I think because of green screen and stuff, the imagination is key, and this is the best technique to do that and to be open and free. It's so simple. It so really simple. simplifies things. Yeah, it breaks it down in a really good way. So, yeah. uh, if Holly, if anyone ever wanted to reach out to you, where could would they find you? I'm all you? over social media: Instagram, what's Holly your... underscore Gagne. Great. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm everywhere. Okay. Miss Phenomenal. <laughs> I'm everywhere at Roxy Stryer. Uh, Mr. Fantabulous. I am everywhere at Jeffrey C. Graham. I am at that guy SMW for um, uh, Twitter and Instagram. And Sean Whalen Peeps is a group on Facebook that you can join. So, as always, thank you for letting me be part of your journey. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.